0: Welcome to the Women of Ihsan Podcast. I'm your host, Sophia, and this is an invitation to join me and our amazing guests to find inspiration and insights into your own journey to Ihsan. If you ever feel overwhelmed or confused along the way, I'm also here to support you so you can tackle your challenges with confidence and make progress towards this lofty goal. To find out more about my work, check the episode description and make sure to subscribe
1: والعصر ان الانسان لفي خسر الا الذين امنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر
0: بسم الله والصلاه والسلام على رسول الله Welcome to the Women of Yassin podcast. Today, I have um, it's my absolute pleasure to have Jennifer Ogunyemi with me. Uh, for those who don't know Jennifer, she's a TV presenter, an event radio host, and a motivational speaker specializing in entrepreneurship, healthcare, youth empowerment, and social issues. As a Muslim woman, Jennifer blends unique life experiences with an unrivaled storytelling prowess to bring you on a journey of empowerment and self-discovery again i am uh honored to have you today jennifer salam alaikum and alaykum welcome
1: Salaam. thank you so much thank you thank you thank you i always get a bit oh cringy sometimes when i hear people talking about me but alhamdulillah it, we're learning and we're learning to embrace things alhamdulillah so jazakallah for having me this morning
0: wayaki, wayaki, and thank you so much for making the time in your busy schedule to to meet with me today and uh share your story with us inspire us motivators us. so um please um tell us about yourself maybe a bit about your background your
1: personal story so alhamdulillah i guess my personal story starts from the fact that i'm a river and um, um you know, a new muslim to islam for the past 19 years alhamdulillah um my career has spanned in the national health service in the uk so from midwifery to consultancy to um mainly always supporting underrepresented groups from the global majority so black asian and ethnic minority and um, communities a lot of my work has been deeply rooted in community development so really you know amplifying and advocating for communities that need that that amplification of advocation um more recently in the past six years i um i discovered a community that i created and i say discovered because the way that this community came about it was unintentional i think when i created citizen business it was something that i needed more than what they needed me subhanallah so you know i i use the word discovered in the sense that what i thought i was searching for was actually something completely different that allah gave me um so yeah so running that and then going into tv presenting and mother of four children alhamdulillah Rashallah. so you know really just like every other woman right wearing so many different hats and so grateful to be wearing them as well alhamdulillah Um, and I guess that's what makes me really interested because I am I guess you know a woman who's doing many things a lot of people ask me how and why (laughs) but I guess that's part of the excitement of it all
0: yeah definitely we want to know more about that how and why um can you share with us um, some of the problems uh, or struggles that you had to overcome and the lessons that you were able to draw from
1: them? So I always, when I, whenever I talk about some of the struggles, a lot of the struggles really pertain to my personal self. You know, the struggles that I put on myself, the limitations that I have in my mind, some of the things that I believe to be true that is not true, some of the stories, the narrative that I've seen that other people have gone through, that I then put on myself. And so, when I say all of that, I guess everybody struggles with confidence, right? And everybody has this issue of, you know, you you think you know what you're doing, and then a barrier comes, and then it sets you back again. So, my confidence is something that I'm constantly and always working on. The second um, struggle I would say is in who i am in being a black muslim woman and sitting on the intersectionality that recognizes me for my race but not for my religion and then also an, another part of the community that recognizes me for my religion, but not my race. And so when you're sitting in this intersectionality it is one of confusion sometimes because I fit in with the black community. Alhamdulillah very, very well. And, you know, they recognize me as that. But then when you sit with the Muslim community, you're not recognized because of the color of your skin. So there's a struggle with that as well. SubhanAllah. Another struggle that I would say is really just accept him this gift that Allah has given me. The gift of being able to create a community and create a community that I completely understand inside and out. A community that, you know, a community of women that we know, that I know is not a monolith, that I know vary as well as the colors of their skin, as well as their cultures, but also vary in the type of skills, the knowledge, the expertise that we have. And this gift of knowing this means that I am in a position to really start to celebrate, amplify these women, but also advocate for them in a way that many other communities haven't advocated for us. And SubhanAllah, it's a gift because it's, it's one that comes with a lot of responsibility, comes with a lot of weight, that i completely understand and that i completely take on very seriously but it's also a gift because there wasn't very many women like me that looked like me that was doing the work that i'm doing so it is is from those angles you know those are some of the struggles how did i overcome them first of all with putting my complete tawakal in allah just saying having that conversation with allah and saying i don't know what i'm doing but you know how I'm going to do it and you know exactly the way that I should do it and all I ask is for your guidance and that's the conversation I have every single morning with Allah, I don't know what I'm doing but I just (laughs) need your guidance in it subhanAllah. The second way in which I've overcome this struggle is really understanding my role in the community as the woman that I am and using the fact that some people in the community may not accept me for the for the race or for the color of my skin but being comfortable in that and being assured that Allah this is not from Allah it's from you the people that behave like this mm-hmm. and same thing on the other side and I think the third way and the last way that I have overcome it is by constantly speaking because when you're speaking about things it's uncomfortable But I've learned in that being uncomfortable, I have found a comfort because it means I'm always telling the part of my side that I know to be true, Mm -hmm. that I believe to be true. And Allah has always told us that be honest, transparent. And those are the things that will always give you success, subhanAllah. Mm -hmm. And that's all I try to do in everything that I that's all I do in everything that I try to create and do and be a part of.
0: MashaAllah, mashallah. Um I definitely resonate with a few things that you said. Um and more interest more interested um uh in, in this part of the stories about um about your faith that you put your trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How did um your faith specifically how did it shape shape your perspective on on life generally, but also um in your in your journey as an entrepreneur as a community leader
1: so my faith is integral it's the it it's the it's the north star as people call it mm-hmm. it's the north star of everything mm-hmm. everything that i do and create always goes to allah first before mm-hmm. i even put it out to the people
0: mm-hmm. and
1: the reason why that is i've come from a story of homelessness i was thrown it out, out of my house at the age of 16 and i had absolutely nothing not even a penny to my name i left with the clothes on my back and halas that was it nothing else mm-hmm. and so when people ask me where does my faith come from first of all allah chose me for this faith allah chose me for islam because in the way that my journey was facilitated in the way that the ease of how it came allah knew that i am jennifer Ogunyemi is the one that was going to take on this journey and so when people ask me where do I get my faith from or where do I get my motivation from I'm telling you and I want everybody to believe me that there is no lower place that you can come from but being homeless at the age of 16 on the streets of London so when I look at that and I look at what I have now why should my faith be unwavering why should I doubt what Allah has given me why should i doubt the words that allah the words that we read in the quran the hadiths why do i doubt that so when i look at everything it comes down to being grateful Subhanallah. i am grateful for where i am today as i speak to you i once came from a place that no one knew of that the community didn't trust that I wasn't even able to utter a word without people questioning, do you know what you're doing? To be in, in a position that when people think of a particular thing, the first person they think of is me. So why would I doubt? Or why would I have, why would I allow anything to come and knock my faith when Allah gave me everything, including my faith?
0: SubhanAllah, that's um really um. Uh, striking a chord and um, hearing that from others, it just amplifies this message that I really want to share with everyone who's listening, which is your faith is going to liberate you and empower you and give you all the strength that you yeah. need. And sometimes, what I like to say is, your faith is your unfair advantage. Yes, because because we know where we're going. Yeah we have no doubt about it about the issue at the end of the of the journey mm-hmm. um the only uh question is how are you going to get there yeah how are we getting there how 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 am I putting in the efforts to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and get his pleasure so subhanallah, it's, um, beautiful I have to <laughs> I have to um hold my tears uh, when I hear that, I get so emotional, subhanAllah. So thank you so much for for sharing this this part of yourself. I think it's really important to just say it like it is. Um, it's not always rosy and pink and uh, everyone loves each other and and you are the proof of that, so mashallah. You you told us about um one of the challenges in your life were some of the narratives. And the barriers, limiting beliefs that were coming from, actually, it was from outside of yourself, but you uh, internalize it mm-hmm. um, and you were believing it. So how did you, so what kind of narrative was mm-hmm. that? What kind of limiting beliefs mm-hmm. and how, h- how did you do this work on yourself to realize, actually, this is, this is just a story that I've, I was hearing from other people
1: and I thought it was
0: true yeah and it's not mm-hmm.
1: so unfortunately for me the narrative and the story started from when I was really young and it came from being a bigger girl You know, I was quite chubby as a child I was the chubbiest in the family I'm the darkest in my family and so it came from a place of constantly being reminded that you're bigger than everyone Mm -hmm. and that came with then this internalized issue of not being good enough for anybody that I am always going to be the ugly one out of everyone in my family the second part to that is now when I'm a little bit older and I'm in secondary school and as a young girl you thrive off attention and that attention wasn't coming I was always the ugly one out of the out of the friendship group. I was really tall and I'm quite broad and so I always stood out but not in a good way and not in the way that other people recognized it to be a thing of beauty. I then because of that internalized a mental health issue called body dysmorphia where everything that I see on me I don't see the beauty in it. I see only the ugly parts. Only the horrible parts of what I have internalized for years and years. So then when I then became homeless and I I became really, really thin due to not eating enough, not having food, then my mental health issues around food really started to become toxic. So eating and vomiting, overeating, undereating on purpose, And then that starts to become an issue. Now I fast forward into becoming a Muslim. And now I'm being told that as a Muslim woman, you're definitely ugly. Because why do you want to cover yourself in the way that you cover yourself? You're covering yourself because you are ugly. You're covering yourself because no man wants you. So when you start hearing all of these things, it only leads to one thought process, which goes back to... I am never going to be enough for anybody because throughout various stages in my life, I am being told the same thing over and over and over again. Now, when I talk about the issues that affect us mentally, what a lot of people don't understand is that emotionally it takes a really big toll on you. So you become emotionally exhausted which meant that I became emotionally unavailable to the emotions that I should have been having. So how it, that started to transpire in anger. And I became very, very angry. And I became angry at everything and everyone. Because why me? Why do, why do I have to be the biggest one in the family? Why do I have to be the darkest one in the family? Why do I have to be the one that has fertility issues? Why do I have to be the one that, that doesn't get to complete the things I always say that I want to do? And this narrative continued its way all the way through into my fourth pregnancy, which is my last pregnancy, where I had a business and it completely failed. And then all that thought process came back up again. Well, it's was because you're not good enough. You've been told that. So why are you trying to go against what naturally should happen, which is school, university, work, family, and live like that. But then I sat down and I cried for weeks about the fact that that business failed. And I remembered that, I remember being in the room and looking at myself, and thinking, I have two daughters, one that's already in the world and one that's about to enter the world. If they were sitting in front of me, what would I be telling them as a person, as a woman, as a Muslim woman? What are some of the things that I'll be telling them? And that's when the work began because I always held the mirror up whenever I felt like I was talking self-harm to myself I will hold the mirror up and say well actually no I'm talking to my daughter right now so what would I tell her so I would start to tell my I would start to tell myself those things that you are amazing that you are beautiful that your beauty knows no bounds that your beauty is not for anyone apart from yourself because Allah has made me like this me being bigger is not a negative is a positive me being darker is not a negative is a positive and subhanAllah when I look at all of that I have two daughters one is really light and one is a little bit darker and the reason why I smile about that is because I understand from a place of knowing that being the darkest one doesn't from a place of knowing that being the darkest one is a place of negative so I empower my daughter who is a little bit darker and say actually it's a place of positive positive. and so over the years of having my children who are eight and six now especially my girls my boys are a little bit older especially my girls who are eight and six I have learned how to really allow myself the position of being the one who talks to myself in the way that I want to be spoken to And it's from that setting that boundary within myself that other people then started to see the beauty of who I was. It affected me so badly that for two years of starting my business, I didn't show myself at all. No one knew who I was until you turned up to the events. But then after two years, and I started to show myself, and people started to say, oh my gosh, you're a Black Muslim you're beautiful, mashallah to barakallah. Actually, we don't see the weight that you're talking about. It's only then that I realized that this self-hate that I had for myself was not born out of a place of, it wasn't given to me out of a place of someone being malicious. It was given to me because the woman who was also perpetrating those kind of negative thoughts to me also felt very unwell about herself. So it was a cycle and so alhamdulillah through positive self-talk through really holding the mirror up to myself and really understanding who i am as a muslim woman and as a woman in embracing my culture in embracing the fact that mashallah i come from a varied color skin family some of us are dark and some of us present as white people mashallah but actually this is my superpower Mm -hmm. it's a point of it's a point of conversation how how are you black and your grandma is white it's a point of conversation subhanallah and so now I really talk from a place of when I am talking about self-growth and self-development I'm talking about it from a passionate place because it's lived experience and because I know how dark and deep it was for me and how I've come out of that and that it doesn't have to be like that for anybody else subhanallah So those are some of the ways that I've been able to come out of it. And don't get me wrong, it's a long journey. It is a long journey. It's a hard journey. It's an emotional journey. It's a journey of really changing your mindset about how you feel about yourself, regardless of of how other people feel about you. It's a long journey. But one thing that I I would say is a journey well worth going on. Because now today, I understand that Allah already made me in perfection. I don't need to try to be perfect.
0: And you're good enough.
1: And I am more than good enough.
0: Indeed, indeed, (laughs) definitely. Uh, Thank you so much. Again, I'm listening to you. I'm trying not to, (laughs) not to burst into (laughs) tears. (laughs) I think these days I'm I'm very emotional. So, Uh, but but, yeah, your story tells so much about um, all the things that are not okay uh, in terms of how we view each other, like. Uh, these, um, these ideas that we have when we see uh, people of color or people coming from certain ethnicity mm-hmm. and um, uh, even in your own families, like subhanAllah, it's just um, um, there's a, lot of, a lot of work has to be done, still to be done. And I found it so beautiful that you saw in your daughters yourself as a kid. Yeah. And you've been talking to yourself through your daughter. mm mm-hmm and uh this is it was the beginning of um, this healing journey for you subhanallah so uh, having children is also something um they make us learn so much about ourselves absolutely. our limits
1: <laughs>
0: absolutely, <laughs> our limits and there's no filter with them it's just the raw reality of yes. what we are and subhanallah we grow so much as well absolutely um so I love everything that you've been saying you know, more specifically because um, we want to be talking about excellence yes what does it mean for you personally on a on a daily basis to be striving for
1: for yes what does it mean for me on a daily basis it means that I show up wherever I am however I am I think one thing that people get wrong is when they hear me speak or they see me on social media or, you know, the things that I do is that I don't have no dark days. And I like to remind everybody that in these highlights that I have now, they also come with very dark days. And so my striving for excellence and ihsan is really that, is showing up in whatever state that I am in. Because in the showing up comes the ease. In the showing up, comes the commitment in the showing up means that I'm not only leaving a legacy, but I'm living in a legacy that I'm trying to create. It's really important that we say that because a lot of us, are. it's like a bank. We put all our money inside it and we don't want to spend it because it's for when I'm gone. But what about how you're living now? What is it that you have on your list in that legacy list that you can do now, that you can really live through right now as you're living in this dunya. And as long as I continue to get up and continue to show up, then that's the striving for Ihsan.
0: That's amazing. And that's really deep what you've just said, that not only leaving a legacy, but living in that legacy. I mean, it's going to be my... uh... Something uh, some food for thoughts, subhanallah. You you write, like we always think about okay, what can I do for the future to leave behind? What about yeah. now? Exactly. And it's all about being more present and intentional.
1: Yeah.
0: Like getting up in the morning with this intention of, okay, and now I'm going to make this day count.
1: Absolutely. Before I think about tomorrow. Absolutely. And we know that from Islam. Every salat that we pray has to be prayed as if it's your last one. Yeah. So then, why do we as women then fall back when it comes to everything else?
0: If that's the question, isn't it?
1: And that is the question that I ask all the time. We hear this narrative of, I would die for my children. But how are you living for your children? Mm -hmm. How are we doing something now? How are you showing up for what you're doing now? What is it that's going to make you realize and make you change that whatever it is that you're seeking, you are more than capable of having it if you get up now? And it's a question that we constantly have to ask ourselves because it's a question that is super important that wakes you up to reality. That wakes you up to reality. And in that reality, you will also find your strength, because it's about breaking it down. And a lot of us don't have the opportunity just to sit still and break things down.
0: Yeah, yeah. We're just caught up in the in the right race.
1: Yes. We never, we
0: never pause. We never stop. Um. So yeah, it's really important to be able to sit down with oneself, having these uncomfortable conversations. Uh, because it's only um, in this moment when we pause mm-hmm. and try to live in the present that we can find this clarity. Yeah. And yeah. if you can't, like a lot of us sometimes, um, if we can't do that on our own because we are just so overwhelmed with everything that's going on, mm-hmm. then um, have someone help you
1: do that. Absolutely. But, you know, we can do it on our own. And Allah has given us the best time of the day to do that, and that is fajr yeah the best time of the day that you can wake up for fajr and you can sit there with the world so still and you can really have that conversation with Allah and hold the mirror up to yourself
0: definitely yeah
1: and really ask Allah to help you untangle the noise because that is all it is It was the moment that I was able to stand still and sit still and really not hear anything else is when I was able to see exactly where I wanted to go, exactly who I wanted to be, and exactly how I was going to get there. So again, like what you said earlier on, we have that unfair advantage because we know. We know the times when Allah has prescribed for us. But what many of us choose not to do is to take the prescription that Allah has given us Mm -hmm. and we start seeking it outside in worldly ways.
0: May Allah grant us tawfiq to always go back to him and make him um, our best ally in all of our efforts. I mean, what I'm also interested in is knowing um, some of your routines uh, that help you achieve your success. Like this morning you had this skincare um routine video I just loved it (laughs) (laughs) I just I was like okay what is she doing now it looks like Korean
1: layering yes (laughs) yes I am a huge fan of Korean skincare um and I guess some of my routines are really rooted into Mm self-love into things that make me feel good into things that make me look good and the reason why that's so important is because I've done so much work internally that I, I neglected the external mm-hmm. and I didn't look like what I was going through. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I really wanted to change that. And in changing that meant that I'm, I am a boundaries person. Mm-hmm. So, you know, subhanAllah, you know, one of the most, one of the best things that I do in my day is I set timers when I work. So mm-hmm. if I'm sitting down at my computer, I'll set a timer for two hours to do that one thing Mm -hmm. And once the two hours is done, I wrap it up and I leave it alone and I give myself an hour and I move on to the next thing and set the timer for two, three hours again. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I do that is because as women, we tend to blur everything together. Mm -hmm. And in that blurring together, then you then have moments where you need fresh eyes to see things. And I couldn't see those things. So in setting the timer, meant that I was really focused which meant that I got more work done during that time which meant that deadlines and procrastination wasn't a thing and it isn't a thing um now don't get me wrong I'm human and I you know you forget things and sometimes I may be tempted to close that alarm and still continue to go on but I have Mm -hmm. to remind myself that in all the work that I'm doing I need the mental clarity all the time subhanAllah so that's one thing the other thing is so blocking, blocking time for your Blocking work. time for work. Having um, deep work sessions yes. that are limited. That mm-hmm. are limited to two, two to three hours at a time. Mm-hmm. Nothing more. And then that.
0: making breaks, long breaks. And then taking everything. an hour
1: break in between. Mm-hmm. The second thing that I really like to do, and a lot of people ask me, you know, how do you run your household?
0: <laughs> my day
1: starts at Fajr. Even before Fajr, my day starts mm-hmm. where I get up and I cook. And, you know, the food is ready from the morning so that during the day I have the time to do what I need to do. I'm not I'm not then becoming so stressed that food is not ready. And then I've got to do the school run. And, you know, I don't have to worry about that because I've already factored that in in the very beginning of my day, subhanAllah. Mm-hmm. Which means that I'm so much more relaxed. And people, a lot of people would say to me that, Jennifer, that you 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 look like a really chilled person and I'm only chilled because I have learned how to structure and do things that are are right for me and my family and so cooking is one of them cooking Mm -hmm. right at the top of the day before fajr, all the way through Fajr then I'll be cooking the third thing is movement exercising Mm -hmm. so if people have been following me for a while they know that exercising is a thing for me and I do that after fajr so after I've praised my fajr I'll put my exercise clothes and I'll have a workout and again it's for me and my mental clarity it's to push out all the frustrations of you know pent-up emotions or pent-up physical frustrations and so I do that um, and of course, as you saw, you mentioned my self-care, my skincare and really looking after myself and some of the routines that I have with that is that every single night I do 10 steps of skincare routine because mm-hmm. that's my self-love. That's time to pour back into Jennifer. Um, I you know once a week I you know will run a really long bath and I will sit in the bath and listen to a podcast while I'm laying in the bath for half an hour or 45 minutes and while I'm doing this I am using everything on my skin that has a scent because I've realized that I'm that my my senses are really and are, are heightened or enhanced by scent mm-hmm. and so scent for me Equates to feeling good. And so, you know, I really take my time in doing that, subhanAllah. And I think the last thing is I always, always factor in time with my friends. Mm -hmm. It's really important for me to have that downtime away from being Jennifer who's on social media, away from Jennifer who's the TV presenter, away from Jennifer who answers 101 queries about the business. It just gives me time to be Jennifer that. I enjoy being Jennifer. And so all of these things combined which has taken years to get to by the way it's not mm-hmm. overnight. Mm-hmm. But all of these things combined means that I'm able to to do a lot more because I understand where my limits are. I understand when I'm when I'm burning out. Mm-hmm. But it also means that I'm filling my own cup. I've learned how to make myself happy rather than wait for other people.
0: Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, that's all amazing what you've, you've what you've just said, and definitely something to think about. Uh, especially the the cooking uh, in the first hours. I know someone in my in my family. She she also does does that. But she always wakes up um, way before fajr, and you know she presses her tahajjud, she reads her yeah. Quran um press fajr and then she gets in she gets in the kitchen and basically by the time most people would just get up and you know barely make it to the breakfast Mm -hmm. she already has everything ready for the day (laughs) mashallah mashallah that's a really great strategy and routine to have what i was hearing at the end um so you, you also um mentioned that before you get into burnout but you know your limits. Yeah. How does it look like? Maybe for someone who's listening to this now and might be in this situation but doesn't doesn't know how to identify, recognize these symptoms, these signs of now I'm getting closer and closer to burning out.
1: So, for me, some of the symptoms that, that was for me in burnout was really erraticness. I became very erratic in my, mm-hmm. in my, in my rationale. Mm-hmm. Um, I became very erratic in the way that I saw things, in the way that I was communicating. Another way is that I became completely exhausted at the thought of everything, I just wasn't able to have the same energy. Mm-hmm. Um, another way is I stopped eating for a while. My appetite completely decreased, and I just was, you know, it was so bad that you know I had to go to the doctors, and they started to give me injections to really get my energy back up. Um, another way is that I became intolerable, intolerant, intolerable to certain things. Mm-hmm. To think that I have a a, a long tolerance for it became really short so Mm. you know really becoming angry at the snap of anything and everything even something as simple as my husband asked me a question I would snap because i am just irritated by it all and I think the last symptom of my burnout is when I when I started to feel like I do not want to do this anymore when I started to think what is the best way to stop this business going Mm-hmm. what is the best way to go back to a nine to five
0: mm-hmm.
1: what is the best way to just be normal again mm-hmm. that's when I knew that something was wrong because part of starting sisters in business was also a big part of sisterhood and creating that sisterhood and I wasn't enjoying doing that mm mm-hmm. And that was when I knew that something was wrong, that I really needed to take a break. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And so, alhamdulillah, I was able to really step back for a little bit and look at things and started to enjoy things again. And I guess it all comes from if I had listened to the signs that was already there earlier, then I wouldn't have been in that position and I think as women, we always keep going and we keep going and we keep going. We don't want to stop out of the fear of looking like a failure yeah, or out of the fear of, you know, being a failure to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, And so if I listened to myself in the beginning, I would have seen the signs of this happening very, very early on. And some of the earliest signs was just things, simple things that like I couldn't complete tasks on time you know people were asking me to do things and procrastination was really setting in like I kept putting it off and putting it off and putting it off
0: mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. emails will be sitting in my in, in my inbox for weeks mm-hmm. and people constantly following up we need to know this we need to know that and I had no energy to reply them those were the early signs if I had listened to the early signs we wouldn't have got to the part of I don't want to do this anymore so I guess it's a part of listening to yourself, understanding what those signs are and really being intuitive with that, listening to it and really, if it's a moment of rest, then rest. Mm-hmm. If it's a moment of clarity, then stop and give yourself that clarity. Mm-hmm. But we just need to know when to stop.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's, um, that's something which is so common, especially because a lot of us are very high achieving ambitious uh women we just want to do more and more and more like mm-hmm. because we want to but the risk like you said is um getting this burnout yeah and being just disgusted from all of it yeah and like losing um some uh, our energy and and getting back on track is so difficult so mm-hmm. prevention is is better so listening to oneself and trying to recognize okay now um, I'm not be- behaving in, like my usual self. Mm-hmm. And like you said, just take a break and rest. Listen to yourself. And I mean, everything that we have to do is not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. So uh, no rush. Just take Very the much. time to to listen to yourself. And then you get back Absolutely. on, on to things when you rejuvenate and uh, feel okay again. So I think Absolutely. it's really an important message uh, here to mm-hmm. listen to oneself. We are not machines
1: no we're not and we need to stop viewing ourselves as that
0: yeah and the reason why we
1: view ourselves like that is because that's what society has told us exactly and that's what we've seen our mothers do
0: yeah
1: exactly But that's not who we are
0: yeah definitely we have we need to be balanced
1: yeah Um, absolutely and balance is key right
0: yeah it's you know
1: that from islam
0: definitely it's it's something which is different and uh, depending on which stage of your life you are it's always going to change because yes. it's not like you don't have the same balance where when you are 20 something, not married, you don't have kids. Yeah. And when you get into work, you have your own business, or even if you work your nine to five and you have a, your family, it's not going to look the same, yeah. but at the end of the day, it all boils down to, okay, are you listening to yourself? Are you taking time for your diet, for your five daily prayers? Mm-hmm. They're there for a reason for, to help us reset yeah. and have this break throughout the day yeah. so alhamdulillah for all of this um now i want to go to you you've touched upon it throughout the mm-hmm. interview but um would you share with us your why you like you already spoke a little bit about it but more specifically what's your why your vision mm-hmm. um what impact you want to to have and um you want to have in the world around
1: you Ah, my why i think my why changes sometimes day to day month to month year to year but my why right now is because i have children that i no longer want them to start to take seats at other people's tables i want them to have a table readily available to them regardless of who they are, that they see themselves in the position that I couldn't see myself six, seven years ago. My why is also because I am estranged from family. I haven't got a mother in the way that other people have their mothers. And in that, there's a, there's a piece of me that has to be the mother to my children that I never had for myself and in that means that in the way that I show up as a muslim woman in the way that I conduct business as a muslim woman in the way that I dress as a muslim woman in the way in the in the way that I speak as a muslim woman i want my children to also know that being a muslim woman is something of elevation it's something of honor and it's something that they saw their mother do the vision the vision is big
0: <laughs>
1: the vision is to be the household name when it comes to sisters who are business women the vision is so our vision for next year is to make sure that we impact twenty four thousand sisters with their businesses. It's a huge vision, mm-hmm. but if it wasn't that big, then I wouldn't be doing something right. Yeah. So yeah, it it's big, and I love the fact that it's big. Mm-hmm. And in that in in that in that in that heaviness of it being big there's a contentment for me mm-hmm. because it means that the sisterhood that I created seven years ago is going to be alive because we have a mission to complete and so subhanallah that again is my why mm-hmm. because I knew the sisterhood that when I first took my Shahada. The sisterhood that held me is the same sisterhood that I want to hold with others. So, SubhanAllah, may Allah aid me in this vision. I mean, I mean. May Allah. May Allah. Mission. I mean. But yeah, th- those would be the wise and the vision.
0: And like we say, we put in the efforts and the results are with Allah, Subhanahu wa Taala. Absolutely. Absolutely, SubhanAllah. Mashallah, it's um, amazing listening to you. I could listen to you all day long. I think exactly I'm just like logging in. in your in your Instagram after that because I, I'm actually I've recently created an Instagram account. Believe me I or not. I'm not an Instagram person. <laughs> I'm not a social media person. And um and, and I'm just going to log in and just listen to you.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Exactly.
0: So um before we finish, I want uh, of course to ask um of you a message or a piece of advice that you would like to give to younger sisters listening to this now maybe younger but maybe not so young like myself i mean i'm benefiting every word that you're saying and i'm not i'm not that young
1: (laughs) alhamdulillah and with age comes wisdom so alhamdulillah
0: Alhamdulillah. i already Um, i already have the name for wisdom you know that means (laughs) in greek it means it
1: means wisdom so i have i have to put in a lot of efforts to live up to my alhamdulillah. i guess the message would be that we are always enough I know that it's hard and it becomes heavy and it comes with responsibility but you see the way that I see it is that the day that I became Muslim was the day that Allah elevated me as a woman It was the day that Allah showed me that even with everything that we do for the sake of Allah, there's always a greater good behind it. So with everything that seems heavy and everything that seems hard, you have to keep going. There is no option to stop. Allah has given us the mothers of the believers as examples of when they wanted to achieve something they set out to achieve it and they achieved it with greatness what makes us different to the mothers of the believers knowledge their status because Allah elevated them but they were still human like me and you they listened to themselves they never doubted themselves they never came from a place of insecurity even when they were being persecuted. So when I say that we can't stop, it's because you'll be doing them a disservice. It's because then the credit that they have left, the heaviness of their, great, the great, the heaviness of their achievements and the greatness that they have, who are we to say that we should stop? We have to continue. It's not a race it's a marathon but we can't stop because in one of us standing up and doing it we're giving 10 other women behind us the permission to also stand up and do it so in the way that you're thinking about yourself and in the way that you doubt yourself just know that there are hundreds of other women that are also doubting themselves look at the situation of what's going on right now in Gaza in how the women are waiting up in their prayer clothes. They will not stop. And so we can't stop. So that would be my thing. And the reason why that's my thing is because I've seen too many times sisters stopping because it's too hard. Because I can't go on because of my circumstances and whilst all those are valid excuses and why whilst all those are valid reasons should I say not excuses why all those are valid reasons Mm -hmm. we still have that unfair advantage indeed Allah has shown us in how to in where to and in the what so we can't stop
0: subhanallah amazing Alhamdulillah. Jazakallah khairan. It's, uh, Alhamdulillah. great listening to you. I mean, I can, uh, nothing to add. The only thing um, left for me to ask you is, is there anyone you would like to see on this podcast as a guest? And what would you like to ask her?
1: Oh my gosh. I want to be completely honest with you. And I think the person that I would love to see on this podcast as a guest, and they're not Muslim, but it's Michelle Obama. No. (laughs) And the reason why I say Michelle Obama is because her book changed something in me. I used to think I was a failure for starting something and then leaving it or starting something and achieving it and moving on to the next thing. But there's so much beauty in knowing that you can always start over again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so what I would ask her is, where did that strength come from? What gave you the audacity to think that you can start and finish and start again? Because that's the same audacity that I would like to have. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it will be Michelle Obama.
0: Okay, Michelle, I I don't know if I can We're do. We're to I...
1: speak it out into the world, mashallah. We're taking it to Allah. We are honestly. I remember when I've done my very first podcast years ago, seven years ago, and I spoke about a com- a company that I wanted to collaborate with. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Six years later, that reality happened.
0: Yeah, mashallah, subhanallah. Well, maybe so you we can
1: know. So
0: maybe you can have you can you can have her on your podcast
1: alhamdulillah but we're talking about sisters in the community Layinka yinka sunny la is a very good friend of mine and i think one thing that i that i really really enjoyed about Layinka is is her drive to constantly want to see the change in others mm-hmm. and how they transform themselves and in that transformation means that she has also transformed herself mm-hmm. so the question that i would ask her is mm-hmm. with these transformations that she has, what has been the most fulfilling part of it?
0: Mm. I also want to know.
1: Yeah. So, okay. inshallah, we're calling you, Layinka
0: Inshallah, inshallah. When well, you know what, I extended the invitation to her. MashaAllah, TabarakAllah. I'm waiting for her answer. And I'm <laughs> sure she
1: will honor. I'm inshallah, sure she will.
0: Inshallah. Um, Jennifer, it was uh, amazing having you. Again, uh, I wish I could have more hours with you, but uh, time is limited. How can uh, people find out more about you? when they can? Where do, do they find you if, um, if they just want to follow you on social media or maybe um, work with you?
1: So it's two places. is either Sisters in Business or Jennifer Oganyemi, which is my name. Find me on both of those things. If you want to work with me, the DMs, the emails, I'm open to it all. Mashallah, so yes, yeah, so please do come we don't buy alhamdulillah um and we'd love to always always collaborate and work with so many sisters and so many other people as well mashallah
0: i confirm i confirm i just um again i just invited jennifer and in no time she replied and there she is alhamdulillah mashallah i'm really truly humbled and honored to have you today and um i've hugely benefited and i think i'm going to listen to that again everything that we've been saying I hope it was beneficial for anyone who's listening now. Please feel free to ask any questions, and um, don't forget to like, um, and comment, and share with your friends and family, mm-hmm. so the message uh, reaches more people, inshallah, and we can have a bigger impact together. Mm-hmm. Jennifer, once again, jazakallah khairan. Thank you so okay, much. Okay. Salam alaikum warahmatullah. Wa
1: rahmatullah. <laughs>